Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And today, we're Dangerously Likely to talk about state overreach. Let's go above the fold with this week's headlines. A gas leak at a Ford assembly plant in Flat Rock, Michigan, led to Governor Gretchen Whitmer declaring a state of emergency in the city as health officials had to evacuate a school and homes in the area. Ford was able to find where the fumes originated, a leak in a pipe that carries gasoline to fuel the vehicles at the plant. High amounts of the chemical benzene, which is found in gasoline, had been detected within a four-square radius, a four-square mile radius of the plant. Mm. Ford has been getting those who had to be evacuated hotel rooms and gift cards to cover the cost of the sudden evacuation. They have also begun a fund to help those that have been evacuated to cover costs. Ford has already committed $1 million to the fund. That's nice. Terrell, do you have any thoughts on this story? Right now, it's currently pretty under the radar, mm-hmm. but I know that this is back in your home state of Michigan. I know, my great state that can't keep water clean, apparently. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you hit it perfectly um it's just not a story that's being picked up and i i feel like now living in the west coast where we're always talking about wildfires where we're always talking about the impacts climate change um is having on communities we are starting to neglect those environmental crises like this one um just for sake of it's a big name company that seems to be doing their best to tackle it, but I, I know people impacted by this. I know people who can't safely drink water right now because um, of the leak. And it's just bizarre to me that when it feels like the national conversation is a little bit more primed to um, have real robust conversations around climate and environment, stories like this will stay under the radar. But if there were an oil rig to do anything in the Gulf of Mexico tomorrow, it would be like a 14 month story. Yeah. Yeah. That's recency bias, even though that happened so long ago. <laughs> I've also been watching the newsroom, so it's stuck in my head. Oh yeah. Um, global politics are a little bit chaotic this September. So let's get into it. Per Reuters, tensions in Myanmar continue to rise as the shadow government calls for a nationwide uprest. Back in February, Uh, Myanmar's military toppled the elected government and has been operating counter to the people ever since. The National Unity Government President, President, Dua La Se La, penned a 14-point speech calling for the administration or administrators to resign immediately, a unification of forces between their ethnic forces and um, other, other military forces, and a declaration of a state of emergency to begin to rectify the situation happening in the state. Um, Chancellor Angela Merkel signals some unease following recent polling ahead of the national election in Germany. Per Reuters, the chancellor pleaded with voters today to back her heir apparent, Armand Laschet, later this month. Citizens have the choice in a few days, either a government that accepts the support of the Lackey party with the SPD and the Greens, or at least does not exclude it, Merkel told lawmakers um, in their lower house of parliament, or a federal government led by the CDU and CSU with Armand as chancellor, a federal government that leads our country into the future with moderation, 
she added. Lastly, Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, gambles with his remaining political capital as the United Kingdom grapples with a healthcare crisis. From the Associated Press, Johnson told lawmakers they would be making a tough decision to raise taxes to coin 36 billion pounds, which is equivalent to about 50 billion dollars, um, American dollars, over the next three years for social care and the National Health Services, NHS. Johnson calls the 1.25% increase in health insurance payments responsible, necessary, and fair. Um, Taxes on income from stock dividends will also be raised about 1.25% to diffuse some claims that the burden is falling solely on the working class. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Last week, the state of Texas passed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the nation. The law bans abortions only after six weeks of pregnancy. Most women don't know they're pregnant in that small amount of time. For perspective, an estimated 85% of abortions in the state of Texas happen after the sixth week of pregnancy. It also allows private citizens to sue abortion providers or anyone else who helps someone get a procedure outside the time frame of the new law. It does not allow state officers or any employee of the state or a local government to file a lawsuit for this. Which is very key. Very key. Those who win a lawsuit are entitled to at least $10,000 paid by the person they sued. Many have called this bounty hunting, which I think is adequate. Mm-hmm. It is also a very unique law because usually one would sue a government entity to make it to the Supreme Court. But the Texas government is not allowed to enforce this particular law, only private citizens, mm-hmm. making the question of who to sue challenging. This was, of course, by design. The ruling effectively closed down abortion clinics across the state. Before we get into the Supreme Court ruling on this, Terrell, I want to get your thoughts on this new Texas law. I think the bounty hunter piece is very important because it it weighs what is happening now, right? Can, can the state actively say that a private citizen who is acting on their own recognizance is not acting in the affairs of the state based on the law, which is prescribing them to be able to do that, which is very important for Texas because if you err on the side that a person who is then suing the provider is acting on the state's behalf as it is a violation of a state law, then it's unconstitutional by and large. Like it, There is a, a statute that is currently being questioned right now, but by and large, it's, it's unconstitutional. Now, if you err on the side of this is a private citizen doing their duty and it is a violation of their rights, we enter kind of this murky territory, which I would argue is why, and I know we're going to dive into it more, I'm not surprised the Supreme Court did not block the decision or the law from going into effect because right now there's a lot of question of what this law actually looks like in practice and if it will cause as much um, grievance as the providers are um, expecting. Yeah. And I think it's also like important to note that you could get a particularly bad judge who, and what I mean by bad judge is very against abortion. And I said at least $10,000 paid, it could be way more than that. Um, And it, which then brings in a whole nother constitutional issue of, is that fine? Um, 
I don't know, cruel and unusual. <laughs> yes. No, literally. Uh, does it violate the Fourth Amendment, uh, Fourth or Fifth? Hmm. I, I believe that's the Eighth. Is it? I think so. I feel like it's sooner. Than but that. Um, I gotta look that up. But yeah, and then and then you also have like the question of like if a state official or anyone working for the state like isn't allowed to enforce this, like then why is a judge enforcing it? Because they work for the state. So then you get into some even more murky waters. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a very, from a legal perspective, it is a very interesting case to hear by and large. It, it is unlike any other um, um, anti-abortion law we've seen, but it is also starting to pick up steam in a lot of conservative states, Michigan, even being one of them. Um, that are exploring how they can implement something similar. Oh yeah, Florida is already writing the draft. Mm -hmm. And by writing the draft, they're going to do exactly what they did with the Idaho restriction to um, ballot initiatives and forget to take the state out of the stupid law that they're going to pass, but I digress. (laughs) It's also interesting, like I was reading an article on Vox about this, Mm -hmm. and Vox was making the claim and I don't know, like I'm not imaginative enough at this moment in time to think of all the scenarios that a law like this could apply to that's not abortion. But Vox was talking about um, it would be weird for this law to apply to nearly anything else but abortion. I mean, it's weird that it's applied to abortion, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they gave the example of like a state, like it would be struck down by the Supreme Court if a state said you can sue gun manufacturers, mm-hmm. like it switched the abortion clinic part with gun manufacturers. But that's because of an amendment issue. Yeah. But I mean, the Roe v. Wade is not an amendment. It's not an amendment, but it's still, it's still the law of the land. Well, law of the land. Yeah. But I, I mean, even to add, so what Friday, um, there's already some confusion in the state of Texas as it relates to this uh, district um, judge, issued a temporary restraining order against the Texas right to life, uh, effectively blocking them from suing Planned Parenthood under the new law. So, But only for a few weeks. Yes. But that even that signals that even the, the federal courts in the state are feeling some tension of, yes, the Supreme Court might not have blocked this law, but we aren't even fully prepared or ready for it to go into full effect. So again, there is a lot that is to come out of this. And it's going to end up being a Supreme Court issue, whether John Roberts wants it to be one or not. So this this law that was passed is is pretty much in direct conflict uh, with the Roe v. Wade decision. And the Supreme Court uh, did take a look at it almost immediately, mm-hmm. same day or the next day, I believe. Um, they reviewed it and they decided to let it slide in a five to four decision, putting the conservatives of the court against the liberals plus Chief Justice John Roberts. Mm-hmm. The ruling was a ruling from the court shadow docket which are decisions made outside of its regular schedule and happened without oral arguments. It is important to note that the Supreme Court can still overturn this law on its regular <laughs> docket, but that will be probably some time from now. The frustration is that the court essentially let the Roe v. Wade decision get overruled from a shadow docket case that was decided in less than three days. The decision the court made is consequential, to say the least. The five conservative justices argued that a law like this is unique and we should wait and see how it works out. While the yep. liberal justices, plus Chief Justice John Roberts, argue that despite the uniqueness of the law, we already know what's going to happen, and that should justify at least putting a hold on the bill. Of course, this is a really concise summary 
of what the justices actually said. So That's I encourage y'all. <laughs> yay. So I encourage y'all to read a little bit more into it. And I'm sure Terrell will have some commentary as well. By allowing the law to stand now, more states are already drafting similar laws like Florida. There are also already reports out that talk about how this law will dis- disproportionately affect poor people, especially those who are not white, which is, I feel like, a report on nearly everything that happens in conservative oh. states these days. Don't get me started. The law also does not have any exceptions for rape. And in response to criticism of that, Texas Governor Greg Abbott defended the law by saying, no, you have six weeks to get an abortion. And that Texas will work, quote, Texas will work tirelessly to make sure that we eliminate all the rapists from the streets of Texas. Lastly, the Justice Department. This is what happens when identity politics gets (laughs) steroids and has no idea of what it's ever talking about. (sighs) Thank you, Donald J. Trump and Newt Gingrich and Mitch McConnell and... The list goes on. Yeah, I should just stop there. (laughs) Lastly, the Justice Department has announced that it is looking at ways to counter the Texas law, including using the FACES Act, which protects those looking to obtain reproductive health services from violence and attacks. Mm. The DOJ has been in contact with U.S. attorneys in Texas and the FBI in Texas. Terrell, that was a ton of information, and I'm sure you have a lot more to add to this, especially with the Supreme Court stuff. Um, I'll let you take the floor. What are your thoughts? Off. You going to say off the record? No. That's not how this works here. I was going to say <laughs> awfully. Um, honestly, my brain jumped to like, what if this is the making of our next civil war? How would that turn out? Um, yeah, probably part of it. I don't know if it'd be the whole thing. No, it won't be. There's too many old white men to actually want to fight for women's reproductive rights. That can be off the record. Um, <laughs> nope, it's staying on. I don't care. Um, no, I mean, I think... I think anyone who's surprised by the decision has not been paying attention to the Supreme Court in the last four years, five years even. Wait, are you talking about the whole mainstream media, basically? Yes. <laughs> um, Except some opinion pieces. <laughs> Robert's Supreme Court has, one, been dragged into politics more than any Supreme Court in history. I would say next to Thurgood Marshall Supreme Court, and that's only because he was the first black chief justice during a very segregated time. So it was political for different reasons and then became that. Yeah. Um, But Roberts has been very conscious that his court is able to make rulings that he believes are fair and just and don't inherently do the job of the legislature. He is still a conservative justice, even though he has moved closer to the left just by nature of how his court has swung in Mm -hmm. his tenure. Um, but I, I, people who are surprised by this clearly have ignored the three main cases that came up, um, during the Trump administration for the, um, travel ban, the remain in Mexico policy. Robert's court was very intentional to say, we will not, we will not put a restraining order or gag order in place for these. We need to see how they operate and then see if there is a violation of a constitutional right, a law, so forth and so on, a statute. Yeah. Um, so not surprised at all with how this turned out. But I do think, too, a lot of people are drawing too many conclusions from this. A lot of people are feeling that John Roberts' court is now no longer his own. He's just Chief Justice in name. I was going to ask you what your reaction to those stories are. It's false. <laughs> um 
obviously Roberts feels more comfortable uh, speaking up and saying that this is going to be a clear violation of Roe v. Wade. And he knows that he has conservative justices far more to the right of him that might disagree. But John Roberts has also done his handiwork in taking stabs at religious freedoms and taking stabs at voting rights. He's not a surefire win, even though this is a clear, um, his response in this is clear that he does not feel this law should be in full effect. But you have everyone focused on the newest justices, both Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, feeling that they have all the power right now. It's their weight. And I think that that removal of Gorsuch from the conversation is what's going to end up being the surprise. And he's going to be the key swing vote who is a textualist who will struggle really hard to find the perfect way to say this law does not violate previous statute. And if you've ever read anything from Gorsuch, while he might not agree with Roe v. Wade, he does understand the arguments that were made and why it has been put in place. So for him, it'll be very difficult to fully and truly uplift and say, yep, this this works. Meanwhile, Kavanaugh is going to vote with Thomas because he always votes with Thomas. And Amy Coney Barrett's probably going to make some state right arguments and the fact that federal government shouldn't be able to step in this much and make the broad. Yeah. So that's my overarching thought and belief. So being on Twitter after this decision, which is probably always a mistake. <laughs> um, Facts. <laughs> a lot of people are saying, look, like we told you so. And they're saying we told you so because um, when mm. all the, when the court became a a conservative court based off the people who are on the court. Um, a lot of people are saying uh, Roe v. Wade's going to get overturned. And the Texas decision, even if it gets overruled sometime in the future, did kind of put Roe v. Wade in limbo. And a lot of people said, told you so. You called us alarmists, um, but we're not. This happened. So, Terrell, what's your reaction to that? The same thing I just said. People haven't been paying attention. <laughs> like, so much of so much of where our politics are right now is one side is screaming that we are losing our traditional values and we are going to hell in a handbasket. The other side is screaming that the sky is burning and waiting for it to fall on them. There is no full grapple or understanding of where we really truly are. There are few people who actually take the time to read through Supreme Court decisions and understand the legal arguments that the justices are making and how that implies to them. Again, I would be one of those people. Um, Justice Neil Gorsuch has made some very surprising rulings um, with the liberal um, wing of the court, but also under the umbrella of the same legal practice that Scalia operated under textualism. And Scalia used that to literally walk us back 50 years multiple times versus Neil Gorsuch just having this more, this more modernized understanding of the text and, and still believing that the way the uh, Constitution was written is how we should read it. There is no interpretation necessary. It, it is what it is, but uses that power too to say that the constitution gave the court the ability to make some blurry judgments. And those are then applications to the constitution. So in this example, Roe v. Wade becomes very hard for him to argue 
that because the court voted this way, because I understand their arguments, I don't disagree with it and I think it should be completely overturned. It becomes a, a very interesting philosophical argument for him. And if anyone on Twitter would have just read that or thought about it, they would probably say, one, I'm not surprised. Two, we need to pump the brakes and not react inappropriately because we've seen that cause a lot more harm than good. But I do support them giving Susan Collins help because she <laughs> had to retweet. Like, I firmly believe that um, Justice Kavanaugh will not overturn Roe v. Wade. And that was one of the dumbest things she's ever said. Agreed. But I mean, we'll see what happens when there's a more direct case about it. I, He's too much like Thomas. He's going to try to. I Thomas is also trash. I like, like. I want to be careful because I don't want us to downplay the significance of this. Because no, it's very it is, significant. It's yeah, it's massively significant, and there's like, no reason Roe v. Wade could really be struck down at the end of the day. Could I was reading this interesting article? It was an opinion piece from Bloomberg, and it was kind of more of like a deep dive analysis on like the justices' decision mm-hmm. on this um, case specifically, and. And kind of the main point of the story was that we really actually don't know if if they're ready to strike down Roe v. Wade or not. And I actually do agree with that point, even though this moment right now is really fucking bad. Yeah. And I think we still need to couch this in what did this decision mean, right? It did not mean an overturn of Roe v. Wade. It was a very pragmatic approach to the argument. Does the Texas law create enough grievance or harm that it has to be um, temporarily restrained or immediately put on the Supreme Court's docket. Because just like we started this conversation, the the law itself is so unique and intricate that there is no full understanding of how it will operate in practice. Yeah, The Supreme Court said, let's let it play out. It's It's a nod. And again, I challenge people to read the words that were written on this. Justice Roberts made a very passionate move to say, while we are making this decision, and I dissent with it because I do believe that there will be gross um, harm done under this law. This is not the court signaling anything in regards to Roe v. Wade. Also, some of the justices who voted to allow the law to go through, Amy Coney Barrett being one, argued this is not an application or an interpretation of how we may rule on Roe v. Wade. Yeah, like Alden said that. <laughs> it it really truly is a, this law in its form as we're reading it, while a lot of people justifiably, myself included, believe it will cause harm. Yes. It's so intricate that we don't really know how that harm is going to be caused. We don't know what type of um, legal authority might need to be pulled upon and for that reason, the court said, we want to understand that because at the end of the day, something that we aren't talking about, this very law could actually bolster and strengthen the Roe v. Wade decision and stop future harm from being caused. Like there's so many things that people aren't putting into it that for me personally gets frustrating of if you take a step back, if you take a breath, if you really learn politics, you will recognize that the sky is not burning yet. I will couch that with a yet. Oh, that sounds like a best case scenario that we could dream of. I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like this law is really interesting. 
Um, I know everybody was kind of just went straight to the worst case scenario, which is, it, I think I'd say it's pretty likely could happen. And that's, there's actually people that are acting as bounty hunters going around and trying to sue everything and everybody that yeah. has anything to do with an abortion in the state of Texas. And I, I'm sure there are people that are going to do that. The one thing that I would say would give me pause is if a religious group makes the move. And I really, this is another one of those moments where I'm like, hopefully no one's listening to our pod, even though like, obviously we want people to listen. Um, the reason <laughs> I say that is if a religious group is the forebearer for this, a purely religious group, no political aspirations or connections. So like the Texas right to life does not qualify in this. I would actually have some deep seated concerns because this court specifically very much values um, religious freedoms. And if that were to make its way up to the Supreme court, I have no doubt in my mind that Roe v. Wade would be overturned in a heartbeat, at least to a, a degree saying that this law cannot cause discriminatory actions or harm towards religious groups who blah, 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 blah. That is the one caveat that I do now thinking and processing in the moment have a lot of concern regarding. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I have concern there too. I have concern about the whole thing. Yeah. I, I'm more on um, John Roberts side on this. He wrote the, um, um, dissent um and then Sotomayor wrote her own dissent i believe mm -hmm. that a concurring a bit, dissent <laughs> a bit further i believe yes. um but john roberts basically said we already know that this law is going to cause harm so that why should even? be that's sh yeah why why even wait and see we already know what it's going to do and like i think i think we probably know 95 percent of what this law is going to do and five yeah. percent we don't and i very much concur with john roberts here and i i think he's right obviously um, the other conservatives on the on the court that voted the other way, you're right, also noted that they that this is not a precursor to them overturning Roe specifically, and they do have that Mississippi law on the docket. Yes, upcoming. which will be interesting to watch because depending on how the, the Mississippi law is, which was the worst one before this. Yeah, depending on how that one's turned, they don't even have to overturn. And that's another piece. Thank you for mentioning that. That's another reason why the court, this specific court. I'd say that very thoughtfully because each court has its own tendencies and actions and ways that it works. And had this been um, the court when um, Justice uh, Ginsburg was still alive, had had she been on the court, this would one be different, obviously, because if um, Justice Roberts voted with them, this wouldn't have happened. But two, the way they focused on and thought about their docket and laws was vastly different. Another reason why this, I could believe that this specific court felt comfortable saying, nope, let this law happen is because they know that there's already a case on their docket that will have direct implications towards this, depending on how they, they um, weigh it. So for them, if they already know that there's some oral arguments coming, if they already know all of these pieces, this is the type of court to say, we're not going to take up a second case that's going to deal with the exact same topic. Let it happen. If there's some egregious harm that we view as different than what we're seeing in the case that we're currently presiding, then we'll probably cushion it in somehow and sneak it into the docket or lump them together. But again, there's just so many pieces and things here. And hell, if that case were to go all the way to oral arguments, I would be looking at Florida's, um, what is it, right to defend 
whatever they use for people to defend their own home in that situation where they essentially deputize um, citizens to go out and, and do the good work, if you will, this, that very law, the law that we're dealing with in um, Texas could have broad implications on that. And are they technically acting in the um, ability of the state? Does that then apply to um, civil cases? If, uh, if a person acts under that law and does something that causes harm and like, there's just so many nuances and pieces that, I understand why the Supreme Court um, weighed the way they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I, the Mississippi law will be probably reviewed in the next term, which is mm. over the next year, really. Yeah. So it, it won't be too long before we hear what that's going to be all about. Or arguments start October. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Something like that. I, I have... I have kind of one more question on this subject um, before we move on. And that's this interesting, I don't know if it was, I think it was a tweet, but it might've been a headline or something or an article or whatnot. But I saw a glance of an argument being made that, oh, like if the Supreme Court like doesn't like actually overturns Roe v. Wade, like at the end of the day, um, then that'll like just make the case for packing the court. What do you think about that? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't have either. faith. I don't have faith in where the legislature is right now that anything is going to weigh it. If anything, I think there are three. There are three cases that I see. If Roe v. Wade gets overturned, the Republicans lose pretty much everything they've ever had to get people out to vote. They lose the religious argument because clearly the court supports their view. They lose the steam to say, well, we can't. It'll be culture wars that doesn't include abortion. But that's always been their their war cry. They've always been able to lean on abortion when the critical race theory argument has died out already to some extent. Like it pops up in little circles, but it's not as, yeah, it's not as well boast as it was literally four months ago because people didn't understand what it was and didn't care. Abortion has always been that thing of, just There's a right to life. We have to do it. Women kind who of are the launching pad. Like yeah. Liberals want to kill the people. Women who <laughs> are on the conservative side will argue. I just don't feel comfortable with the idea of, of taking a child's life. Like that has always been there. Then issue. you don't have to get an abortion. That's what that's pisses a me whole, off. That's a why whole do you care another, so much about other people? That's a whole other piece Jesus. that I don't want to get into. Um, but that they lose that. If the Supreme Court does decide to overturn Roe v. Wade and we go back to the handmaid tale <laughs> stuff, um, I think the Republicans are going to really hate it because they no longer have a message. They they can't then argue that they need to be in charge of government anymore because government's done what they needed. Yeah. Um, I think too the opposite happens and you see the nuclear option get pulled, not in the idea of packing the court, but in the idea of one pushing a current older justice to retire as soon as possible. And a few more Republicans being like, you know what? Nope. I'm going to vote with whoever Joe Biden puts up because I feel like I've been played by X, Y, and Z. Susan Collins, that's for you. Three, 
Sure. Maybe they, I mean, Joe Biden has a standing committee that has been looking at the constitutionality of packing the court. So there's clearly a plan that's sitting somewhere. Mm. Maybe they do that. I think that's just an appeasement feature. It is. I don't think, I don't think the third option will happen, but I do think that there's still, I think there's an interest to explore impeaching a Supreme Court justice. Oh yeah, you've you've brought in this up a few times, and I I do think that <laughs> has that ever happened once. I do think that if Brett Kavanaugh votes to overturn Roe v. Wade, there will be a uproar in the House to have him removed because under oath he said Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, and nothing our courts can do now can change that except the Supreme Court. Yes, but he was asked more directly, specifically by Kamala Harris, um, would you do it? And he said no. He said, I'll have to look at the merits of the case, but I think it's highly unlikely. Something along those lines. Well, I, how would they have a case of impeachment from that? Because technically that's perjury. <laughs> Is it perjury if you're not lying at the time? Eh, you would make an argument that he misled or did X, Y, and Z knowing but what misleading doesn't mean lying yes but misleading under perjury laws can still result in an impeachment interesting so i think it's not going to happen folks. i also don't but <laughs> i think i think there'll be a stronger uproar in the house of what are our tools or what are our mechanisms and i think you'll see people like nancy pelosi say this is one of those moments that i feel like is truly threatening democracy and I would rather go through the work of impeaching a Supreme Court justice than do more harm to democracy like packing the court. Um, and I can see the White House being like, you do you, and not really stepping in and saying, you can't, or we're strongly against this. I can see them saying, we're going to do all of these other things. Whatever the legislature does is what the legislature does. Um, and then you have your Mitch McConnells, who this is the Democrats overplaying their hand, blah, 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 blah. But all of that say, I think, I think there becomes a, an uproar of what mechanisms do we have right now? Not so much what mechanisms can we force in? Like, can we put in two new justices? All right. We'll see. When we come back. Um, you have to answer. Do you think they're going to pack it? Um... I think uh, if it was a more liberal president than Joe Biden, they would. Fair. But um, then again, I'm, mm, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of Democrats that probably don't want to actually pack the courts. Yeah. Um, so All the ones I, that are probably going to lose during midterms. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I think it's highly unlikely, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in our lifetimes. You mean to tell me it's depending not. Depending on what happens. You mean to tell me it's not dangerously likely? <gasps> dangerously unlikely at the moment i think oh. yeah yeah all right when we come back we'll take you all on the tangent take us on a tangent caleb all right trail i have two comments and a question of course my first comment is, fuck Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> thinking he can run around and say, hey, telecom companies, don't give anybody your phone records from re the Republican Party for the January 6th committee. Doesn't that just make you want to know what's in them? Uh, yeah, that's like the worst thing you can come out and say. Kevin McCarthy, you're an idiot and you can't do anything with these fucking companies. 
Literally. Um, For a party that cares about private companies so much. They've also, the January 6th committee is also uh, uh, subpoenaing his phone records too. So Of course they are. He's very key to the fact of when did the president know? Yeah. He's so, he's, oh my God. He's so dumb. Sorry, um, I'm intruding on your tangent. But as, but as Dan Pfeiffer says, uh, he's, his only skill is knowing uh, where the tides of the Republican Party base are going right before it actually, they actually go there. I would argue completely against that, but I digress. No, I, I don't think so, because... I don't think Kevin McCarthy has ever once assumed exactly what his party was going to do successfully. No, he's, but I would argue that he's good at coming out with a message in support of where the party goes all the time, right as the winds are shifting, so he's never in trouble. I think that's just a perspective thing where I'm like, I feel like the wind has shifted and then he makes a comment, not so much he makes a comment and then the wind shift, but I digress. That's fair. My other comment is, uh, like you all probably guessed, a TV show. Yeah. I just, just finished um, Harley Quinn, um, which is a new animated TV show on HBO Max. And well, new as in the last couple of years. And it's freaking hilarious, totally uh, not for kids, super vulgar, gory for no, no reason at all. Have you read a DC comic ever? That's fair. But um, I, it's 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 kind of a spoof on everyone, yet the takes on some of the villains and, and superheroes in it are like oddly better than a lot of the stuff I feel like DC has produced in the past. And um, it's just insanely dumb and hilarious. And I really enjoyed it. And there's a new season coming out soon. But if you like that kind of like crude, vulgar humor um, with a, with some goriness into it, uh, I suggest checking it out. HBO Max, of course. We need to promote, like, we need some money from them. We promote them far too often. I know. I, my dream is to be sponsored by HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my question, Terrell, is who's going to win the Super Bowl now that the NFL season is starting to begin? Let's be real. It's going to be Tom Brady. Fuck that, Terrell. I mean, Fuck that. Are anybody bought? It's going to be Tom Brady. It's going to it's going to be the Chiefs versus the Bucks. Is there any surprises though? No. Any surprise teams you think? No. I hope you're so wrong. The oh, only I'm not, I'm not going to lie. The only okay surprise the team I'm going to say is the Patriots because lo and behold oh, this man. new quarterback turns out to be their golden child, which I, I doubt feel, is going to happen. I feel so yeah, so bad about Cam Newton. Packers I, are just, screwed. He was good and then he just wasn't and he got old. Is he old? He's what thirty something. He's not as old as Tom Brady. Of eh, they might actually be pretty close. Oh, I, for some reason I didn't think he was that old. But um, let's look. Let's look. Let's look. He is thirty-two. Oh, interesting. Tom Brady just turned forty, right? Forty something. He's like forty-four. I thought. I don't keep track. Yeah, good job. Forty-four. What? <laughs> Hell yeah! Let's get it. Um. um <laughs> yeah. I. I um. Can you I, name okay. a team that's keeping you? In- I'm okay with the Chiefs. Shock but. team that might shock us: Jaguars. As much as I, I think might, this year? as much as I might hate Lawrence. Oh, I have a serious question for you. I though. think he's going to be like a dark horse that is just like the thorn at the side, and they're not going to be like exceptionally good, but they're going to be one of those teams that won just the right games yeah. that puts them into like a wild card game, and then they win the wild card, and then it's just like and then it's a little bit more dangerous, yeah, because they're unpredictable or something. Exactly, they're going to be I'd my be okay horse. with that too because I everybody likes an underdog, and I kind of like it when random bad teams are kind of good. Maybe the Rams will pull it off. I'm actually was going to ask you about that. Um, that was the serious question I just stated. Uh, Matthew Stafford on the Rams. How is that going to go? Are you excited? 
I'm not gonna lie, I didn't watch any of their preseason, so I didn't get no, to see how watch, he. Who watches that? I don't. Hmm. Apparently not. Well, I didn't watch the Rams. I watched the Lions. Oh, um, how are the Lions gonna do? Average again? Average as I, always. They're still just, adjusting to a new quarterback. They don't really yeah. know how he fits in yet. Sure. The we got rid of half of our receivers, which I'm still a again. little confused about. Yeah. Because they're trying to time, rebuild. Every time that I think about the Detroit Lions, you I am reminded this, of this uh, five, Silver, the 538 article that took all their games. Aggressively average. They are like the the most, if there's an average team. It is the Lions. It's the, the last Lions. 50 they are, years. They're the most average. I think I think it went back 15 years, but they are the most, like, it's it's not scientific how average they are. No, it's what I mean is like science through data and stuff. We know that they're the most average, but it doesn't actually make sense how average no, they are. No, there's no reason. <laughs> there's literally no reason for them to have. Well, there are. The ref screwed us over multiple years, but um, there's no reason for them to be as average True as they Lions are. Lions fan, it's the ref's fault. I, that's okay. It's every team. I'm just saying. When, it's every team that's bad. In when NFL. when you make Sorry, a whole average. when you make a whole rule. <laughs> For the entire NFL, because you don't like how one player is able to just catch anything that's thrown in the air. <laughs> I think you can say that the NFL as an organization did kind of have it out against us. I, I will say, I will say that there's been some calls that you pointed out. The Calvin Johnson, the Calvin Johnson rule alone to yeah. me is a signal that the NFL did not like the fact that we were doing well. Like up until Calvin Johnson. You mean average? <laughs> Up until Calvin Johnson, when we had a real shot at like making it to the the playoffs, you only needed to have one foot in the end zone for it to count as a touchdown. Only one. All you have to do is have the ball cross the line. Also that. But if you like were jumping up and catching, they, you know how they'll say like, oh, you were like your momentum took oh, you out. You only needed one that's foot. That's changed it? They changed it to two. And then you had to have a complete action where you have complete. Yeah. All of those rules came out of. One player, Calvin Johnson. It is known in the NFL as the Calvin Johnson rule because he would. There were catches that defied reality. Yeah, he shouldn't have caught them. I give you that. <laughs> but that is a great example of a player that was so good. The NFL came in and said no. Meanwhile, you still let Tom Brady do all the shit he does. Oh, so yeah. like there was he just favorite, the ball. There is favoritism, but then also there's like. Oh, you're offsides, even though we weren't offsides. There's too many people on the field when actually the other team had too many people on the field, but they called it on us. <laughs> like, there's just so many times where I'm like, yeah, I I feel comfortable saying the refs have a huge part in why the Lions are as average as they are. That's so funny. But I digress. That's so funny. Or like the stupid Arctic or uh, antiquated rule that if you take a timeout after the two minute warning, it ignites an automatic runoff and that automatic runoff is 30 seconds yeah what the fuck yeah what the fuck is that why is that so relevant to us because that's how we lost against the cardinals in our opening game you know what would have (laughs) happened if we beat them we would have won nfc and we would have been a shoe-in for the playoffs because we lost that game we were one game away from a wild card and you know what else happened that season that was the face mask season where Aaron Rodgers got a redo for a Hail Mary that gave him the win. Like, it mm. is very hard for me not to say, like, the refs play a huge role in why we've been the way we are. And now they call the runoff every time. I just gave mm. you all Terrell's tangent. Apparently. I, that wasn't even what I was going to argue about. But. Terrell, take us on a different tangent, please. Oh, now I'm just angry about sports. <laughs> all right. That's all, folks. Um, <laughs> 
What was oh um I'll make my tangent short just because I went on a whole rant about the Lions, which I know no one actually planned for. Um, my frustration this week has been shock um, media outlets, <laughs> specifically the ones that are bringing out reports of climate change has um, directly impacted minorities across the United States. We already or, knew that. Food insecurity is one of the leading issues for urban neighborhoods or like all of these things that I would say Main Street already knows. We know that urbanization, gentrification, we all of these spaces negatively impact minorities. We know that climate change has had a huge impact on minorities. We know that minorities haven't had access to clean water and like... All of these stories are coming out, not stories, these reports, let's say, are coming out through mainstream and are being like championed by Caucasian counterparts as look at the damage that's being done. And it's for it's, me frust- very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I'm totally no, interrupting. I jumped in yours yeah. multiple times. <laughs> My Caucasian self is interrupting <laughs> your tangent. Um, this isn't news. Like, no, this isn't news. It's like, oh, you finally decided to, in quotes, care. <laughs> and that's that's been my frustration of oh, I'm really over like rising house prices negatively impact black families across like no everything shit. that happens in America does that. <laughs> it is a system that has been built to make sure that that happens. I don't need a report to throw that in my face. I need action. I need understanding. I don't need a report that now some white liberal can walk around and be like, look at how awful it is. Like, I don't need that. I need you to do the work and the analysis and the understanding of if we implement these two policies tomorrow, that can result in X amount of gap closure between these minoritized populations. Yeah, That is the type of work that has been missing for eons. Now that you want to actually open your eyes and see what's happening in America and understand that there are two Americas is very frustrating to me. Amen. That's all I got. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dangerously underscore likely or email us at dangerouslylikely at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening for notifications of our new episodes. I'm Terrell. I'm Caleb. And we're dangerously likely to see you next week.